So with that in mind, let's turn in our Bibles, if we will, to the book of Numbers. And actually, I'm sharing with you a message that I shared in Honolulu uh, about Caleb. Uh, you know, a lot of people remember Joshua and because of the walls of Jericho and all of him leading them into the promised land and everything. But right by his side was Caleb. He didn't get as much press as Joshua did, obviously. You know, he's only the sidekick here. But what he did jumped out to me in such a powerful way. And that's what I want to share with you. But before we do, can we pray real quick? Father, we just want to thank you for this time together in your word. I pray, Lord, for all of us here today that we would be blessed by your word as we look into it and understand the riches and the depth, the width, the breadth, the height of the love of God in Christ Jesus as we do and how much you love us, Lord. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you know, we all remember Joshua, or pretty much Joshua, but Caleb always spoke to my heart. Um, Caleb's exploits are not as well documented as Joshua's that way, but what we're told of Caleb speaks volumes to the dedication as a servant of God, and that's what I love about him. Not every servant in the Bible has whole books written about them or many chapters written about them or noted that way. But every single person that's mentioned in the Bible was great and important to God, those who served God. Men like Gideon, Ittai the Gittite, who got the, uh, Ehud the left-hander. I really liked Ehud because I'm left-handed. I'm a confused left-hander. I try to play guitar right-handed and play golf right-handed and, and stuff like that, but I'm a lefty. I'm a southpaw. I confess. And, and you know, uh, Ehud was my man because he was been noted about him that he was left-handed because that was strange to be left-handed, you know. They used to tie left-handers' hands behind their back, forcing them to be right-handed, I heard. They did it here. They did it in, in, when my mom was growing up. Uh, mom, uh, I'll try to get it right. Um, and, uh, you know, so left-handers were weird. I am weird, so that's probably why I'm left-handed. But anyway, all that, you know, guys like that stand out to me. And Caleb is one of those fellows. You know, he stands as a great example of one who believed God's promises and acted on them. And the result was that Caleb will be forever remembered as a great man of God. Some of the things we forget about Caleb's exploits, though, were that he was made great promises by God years and years before. They were, he was a part of the children of Israel that were in bondage in Egypt for those 400, almost 30 years. And during that time, he grew up under slavery, under the taskmaster's whip suffering persecution with the children of God, crying out to God for deliverance every day of their lives. And God delivered them through a powerful way. He took the world's superpower at that time and humbled them with ten plagues, including the death of every firstborn Egyptian. So to the point that, that he obliterated every single god of the Egyptians. 
because they dared to mock the God of the Hebrews. He showed himself strong and destroyed the gods of Egypt, delivering the people. And they went out into the wilderness and they came to the land of promise. And that's when they stumbled and fell. Right at the doorstep of entering into their greatest blessing ever. They stumbled and fell. How many times do we do that very same thing? We get an opportunity. We've been praying for Oh, Lord, just let me share Christ with my neighbor. And the opportunity is there. And we, uh, we stop. We stop short. Why? Fear, worry, that we don't know enough, or we will say something wrong, or we'll mess up. We all have those fears. I'm terrified right now being in front of you guys. But that's not God's heart. He takes the weak things, the meagerly things, the low things, and exalts himself through them so that he alone gets the glory. Right? That's what our lives are about. Glorifying God. The greatest thing we can ever do with our lives, the highest attainment you will ever make in your lifetime, is bringing glory to God. No matter what your profession is, your chosen vocation, whether you're, you're uh, a full-time mother at home raising children, and it's your heart's calling. God bless you moms that do that. I'm not putting motherhood down. It's a great thing. I highly respect my wife for the job she did with our daughters. I'm a blessed parent because of it. Uh, I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is, no matter what we put our, our, our energies and efforts into in this world, even occupying the pulpit, the single greatest thing we do is honoring God with our lives. Every day, every moment, every opportunity, you know. And that's what Caleb did. He took those 40 years of wandering, preparing his heart, his mind, for the moment that they would enter into the land. Because that's what happened, right? They got to the border. They sent the 12 spies in. And they came back, 10 of them, with an evil report. Only two had something good to say, and I think you know which two I'm talking about, Joshua and Caleb. In Hebrews 11:6, the Bible reminds us, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Caleb was one of those men. Caleb was that kind of man. In Joshua 14, 13, the Bible reminds us that Joshua blessed him, Caleb, and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephuni, as an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephuni, the Kenizzite, to this day because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. The emphasis on holy, completely. And it began as a faithful spy. In Numbers 13, Moses chose 12 men, as I said, and Caleb was the one chosen from the tribe of Judah, the very tribe of King David and later the Lord Jesus himself. Caleb, Joshua, and 10 others were sent into the, the land to spy it out, Canaan, and their job was to see if the land that God had promised to them was worth fighting for. Can you imagine that? Why didn't they just go in? 
Why do you, you know, hey, the cloud's leading us this way. The pillar of fire is leading us this way. Let's go. No. No, they put on the brakes and said, what are we doing? This is crazy, okay? Let's check it out first before we do something stupid. Really? That was the dumbest thing they ever did was question God's authority, his leading, his guidance in their lives. But how many people do that? How many times have we done it? Inadvertently, but we still did it. Lord, are you sure you want me to share Christ with that person? I don't know, Lord. I, you know, they're pretty wicked. You know, I don't know if they, they can be saved. Eh, wrong answer. God can save anyone at any time. He can. It's just a matter of his will being accomplished in their lives. And our obedience as a servant to the Lord can oftentimes be the very vessel God's chosen to use at that moment. So anyway, Caleb, Joshua, and the ten others went into the land, their job to see if it was worth fighting for. Numbers 13, 17 through 20 says this, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, saying, Go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. So the initial report of the land's worthiness should have dispelled any fears. God said, I'm sending you to a land flowing with milk and honey. You would have thought that would have been enough, right? Well, we're dealing from the side of faith. We're believers in God's word. We've seen what God's word's done in our lives, how it's transformed our hearts, how it's opened doors we never thought possible, allowed us to go and be things that we never dreamed of doing. So we kind of maybe look down at these guys a little bit consider them losers, you know, because they didn't just go in. But would we have really been any different back then? I don't know. I don't know. I can't say for sure. I hope to God that I'd, I'd be that kind of person, that I would trust God for his truths and just go and do and be what all he calls us to. But we don't know. But after 40 days of spying out the land, when, and, and they brought back an amazing report. In Numbers 13, 23 through 27, it says, They came to the valley of Eskel and cut down a branch with a cluster of grapes. The two spies carried it. They also brought pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Bunch, literally, or Eskel. And... Because of the size of the cluster, the men had cut down. After 40 days, they came back to Moses and Aaron before the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Kadesh and showed them the fruit of the land. They told Moses, we want, or excuse me, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. Imagine that, just like God said. Here is the fruit. And as impressive as the land was, however, so was the people. 
Ten spies were intimidated by the land's men and their cities. They reported that the cities were large with great walls. And, and they, the people of the land were giants. The Anak dwelled there. The giants from long ago. They were very large in stature. Many of the Israel's future enemies lived in Canaan. There was a great concern over the strength and size of the city and the people. But that's when Caleb, along with Joshua, stood for God's promises. And this is our job as believers today, to remind the people of the worthiness of God's word, how it deserves our attention and our understanding. One thing I've noticed, and you're all probably smarter than me, so you've probably noticed it too, since the passing of the queen from this place into eternal glory, I've heard a number of reports on the media, Sky News even, how religious she was and how she lived out her religion, you know, and all this stuff. I think this is a beautiful opportunity for the body of Christ to remind people of that. The reason why Queen Elizabeth was so successful in all that she did that way was because the Holy Spirit was leading and guiding her. The Holy Spirit was at work in her life, giving her wisdom beyond her years. Remember how young she was when she took the reins. How unprepared she was in many people's eyes to be queen of England. And yet, there she was, because God established and ordained her life that way. And now, all these years later, they're saying, it's the end of an era. What's gonna, what are we going to do next? What's going to happen next? Well, if the people of God stand up and remind everybody that the power of God and what it did for the queen can do for anybody who puts their lives in trust with God, great things can happen. Revival can take place once again in this part of the world. And what a powerful movement that would be. Because over where I live, there's a lot of people that look over here and watch what you guys do. We see the news broadcasts. We've seen terrorism and all the other things that we've gone through as well and stuff, but not to the tune that you've had to endure. And so we always take interest in what's happening in Western Europe. We always do. And can you imagine what the Church of America would be filled with a godly jealousy because of what was happening here if revival breaks out? And it's vice versa. When the Jesus movement started in the 70s in America, it swept all into Europe as well. And many people got saved during that time as well. And this is what God does, and this is what he is doing and will continue to do. And so that's my prayer, that the Lord would take this opportunity to use the church in England to step up the true believers and preach the gospel to the lost and remind everybody of the power of God. Having seen the land's impressiveness, having seen the giants and the walled cities, many of the people were frightened and became fearful and didn't know what to do. They turned away at the border and they retreated back into the wilderness. But before they did, Caleb and Joshua stood up 
And they urge Moses and the people to trust God and take the land. In Numbers 13, 6 through 9, they declared the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. I love how they said that. We're going to eat them up. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. But instead, the ten spies' sorry report terrified the people. They wept all night and longed for the days of Egypt, wishing to die at the hand of their slave masters. That's what Numbers 14, 1 through 4 remind us of. Joshua and Caleb pleaded with the people to trust God for his promises. The people were so angry at Joshua and Caleb, they wanted to stone them to death right on the spot. Can you imagine the unbelief? The people turned from the land God gave them, wandering in the wilderness for the next 40 years until all the adults of that generation died off. You know the story, except for Joshua and Caleb. Numbers 14 24 reminds us, but my servant Caleb, and this is the key, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me part ways, no, fully, I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. That was the promise. And Caleb believed God for it. He trusted God for it. He spent 40 years in the wilderness, wondering, hoping, waiting for that moment when he could go get his inheritance. The thing he longed for. Why? He didn't forget the taskmaster's whip. That's why. He didn't forget all the bondage that they were under, the misery and the wickedness. He did not forget the power of God to deliver them from those things. And even as a reminder, God brought them through the wilderness those 40 years and reminded them, by the way, ladies, I know you don't like this idea, but their clothes never wore out. For 40 years, they had the same outfit on. I know that would drive most women nuts, okay? But, hey, their sandals never even wore out. So, you know, you fastenistas out there, sorry. Same clothes, 40 years. Same shoes, 40 years. Fresh food every morning, delivered at their door. Before there was DoorDash and Uber, there was God delivering the goods. Right to their doorstep every day. They just have to block out of their tent, grab the stuff, and bring it back in and eat it. You know, if that was too much, I'm joking. But that's what he did for them all those years, even after their rebellion and their disobedience of not going into the land. Enough said on that. I beat that horse long enough. But Caleb stood up at the end of those 40 years. And it says the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. He's talking to Joshua now. I was 40 years old when Moses sent me to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. 
Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore that day, surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive these 45 more years. And now here I am this day, 85 years old. I'm as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. I'm not 85. I'm getting there, but I'm not there yet. Okay? I feel every bit of my day. Every morning when I get up, I sing the song my dad used to sing, and I'd hear and laugh when I was a little kid. You know, I sing that song. I know it well. I feel it, but not Caleb. Why? Because he wanted his land. He wanted his inheritance. It was what God promised, and it's what he wanted, to be blessed by God. He said, I'm 85 years old. I'm as strong this day as the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and the cities great and fortified. It may be that the Lord is with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Beautiful points here that Caleb made. The Lord gave the land to him. The Lord would be with him, and he would be able to drive them out because the Lord said he would, that he had given them the land. We need to trust God with that same kind of passionate faith, believing, hanging every action of our life upon God's word. Paul told the church to pray without ceasing because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. How many of us spend our time in prayer? How many of us, you know, we went to pray before service began. Now I know some of you coming in and stuff like that, and I'm not, you know, trying to shame you or anything like that, but that room should be full. If there's a prayer meeting, you should be at it. But hey, our church is the same way. Men's prayer meeting, we have probably as much as you guys have. 10, 15 guys show up. And we even serve dinner. They have no excuse. Yeah, oh, long commute, you know. Uh, hey, we got food, bro, and it's delicious. You know. No, it's, a, it's, a, it's usually the same 12 to 15 guys. Every once in a while, we'll have Taco Man come out with his little cart and make fresh-made tacos, beans and rice. What they pues? It's a Mexican delight. And <laughs> so we get a big crowd then. About 20 guys. Our church is a little bigger than that. But that's the attitude about prayer. At least corporate prayer. I'm not saying they don't pray. It's just like, you know, I, the old line about taking prayer out of school. It, they never will take prayer out of school. As long as there are exams and tests, there'll be prayer in school. Kids will be praying, oh, God, help me pass, please. Well, I don't know. This generation, they don't care. So they don't care if they pass or fail. They don't care about school, many of them. I know you younger people, you care, you're here. Uh, but many don't. But my point being is that prayer is so important. It's vital. 
Prayer should be like our heartbeat and the breath we breathe, constantly flowing in and out of our life, constantly listening to God, responding to God, constantly hearing his marching orders and responding in a positive way. I will go. I will do. He spent 40 years in the wilderness wandering with his brethren, waiting for that time that God would allow him to realize God's promise to him. After the 40 years of wandering and five years of war, Caleb was still ready to battle on for the Lord. He was ready to fight. He was 85 when he gave that speech. Some of you guys who, you know, your hair's like mine, multicolors. It used to be all one color, now it's multicolored. If you have hair still, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Being 85 years old and still ready for war. I, I think there's some that have that heart, but they know that they can't do it, so they just, eh, that's crazy. He was just as strong, though, in his faith as he was that first day when he heard about and saw those grapes in Canaan, saw the land, that God was true, and every man is a liar. He saw that with his own eyes. He brought back the clusters. He saw the land. He saw that was a land of milk and honey, and he was ready for it. His confidence was not so much in his own ability to fight as it was in his absolute trust in God's promises, and he became a giant slayer. In Joshua 15, in verses 13 through 14, the Bible reminds us, he gave Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the following portion among the descendants of Judah, based on the Lord's instruction to Joshua. Kiriath Arba, which is Hebron. Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak there, giants, Shishai, Ahiman, and Talmai, Talmai excuse me, descendants of Anak. God promised Caleb he could have the land he spied out. Yet, there were obstacles in the way. And that's something that we need to understand. You know, we hear a promise of God and say, okay, God, great. And then we see some obstacles. Well, I, th I thought the Lord said he was going to do this. I thought he was going to do that. Yeah, he is. But yeah, but what about this? And what about that? And we start making excuses. Because it's easier to step back from the promises of God when there's obstacles in the way. But those who wait upon the Lord, what surrounds them? Mercy. What is mercy? God's loyal love. God's loyal love. Not our love. God's loyal love. Mercy will surround them. Caleb waited on the Lord. Mercy surrounded him. God's loyal love was there. When we trust God, when we believe him, when we follow on the path he's led us on, and we go where he calls us to go, and we do the things he causes, calls us to do, mercy, loyal love surrounds us. I'm not qualified to be here. I didn't do anything to deserve to be here. It's all by God's grace. I'm one of those Calvary pastors that never went to seminary school. No, it was on-the-job training for me, and I'm a slow learner. But God has done all the work all these years. It's been him, not me. I just went where he told me to go. I did what he told me to do. 
I followed through in those things. Now, I'm not perfect, okay? I don't want you guys to get any idea that I'm trying to tell you, yeah, you need to be like Pastor Mike because, you know, he's great. No, no I'm a, well, I'm a Mexican saved by grace, MSG, monosodium glutamate. Yeah, the preservative. <laughs> I'm a Mexican saved by grace. That's it. I'm not even a Mexican. I took that 23andMe thing or whatever, they test your DNA. Found out I'm mostly European. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? I even have some Irish blood in me. I'm Irish, and that's all that really matters. <laughs> Believe it. <laughs> so anyway, I know I'm weird. You'll get used to me. Um, to say all that, I'm not perfect. I'm just like everyone else. I get challenged. I might step back and go, really? Is this what you want us to do, Lord? <laughs> And when God confirms it in my heart, I go. I go. I've learned to go. I've been a, a, a Christian for 45 years. I've learned to go. Because when I didn't, when I got stubborn and rebellious, I paid a price for it. And it set me back. Just like the children of Israel, when they got there after just a few days, spent 40 years wandering around until that whole generation died. I wandered, I suffered because of my unbelief. But then God spoke to my heart. He reminded me, he turned my head around, showed me all the footprints wandering around and meandering in the wilderness. He said, do you want to do that some more? No. No, I don't. Then go. Yes, sir. God promised Caleb he'd have the land. In spite of obstacles, <coughs> excuse me, he believed. The ten spies, they were so scared of Anakim that it kept them from taking ownership of the land. Yet Caleb was so assured of the promises of God that he was ready. Even at age 85, he never lost sight of that promise. And he would fight the men that frightened his own countrymen. Again, Joshua 15, 14. Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak from there, Shishai, Ahiman, and Talmon, the children of Anak. Caleb's nephew, Othniel, helped take the rest of the land and slayed the giants along with Caleb. And Caleb gave him his daughter, Ashpa, as wife. And the same nephew, Othniel became the first judge in the book of, jo of Judges, as Judges, Judges chapter 3 declares. Caleb was faithful in all things, even the little things, and God blessed him. He trusted God for his promises, even when others refused to. His declaration of cha in chapter 14 of Joshua should have motivated every single one of them. He was the oldest man in the whole country when he spoke those words. Remember, everybody else died in the wilderness. He was the oldest man still alive, and the people heard the stories of how he stood against the nation. His speech was powerful, yet every man who disagreed with Caleb died in the wilderness, and God blessed him for his faithfulness and his patience. He was ready to fight the battles that were his to fight, including taking the land.
However, it wasn't Caleb's job to punish the people. He was silent for 40 years in the wilderness, patiently allowing God to handle his war. Caleb prepared himself for the battle. God wanted him to fight. What an encouragement he should be to us today. Are we being faithful to the promises of God? We don't have to make God's promises happen. He is perfectly capable of doing that. Like Caleb, we should just be ready to follow the Lord in participation and anticipation of those promises. Caleb did not blink at these promises of God. He believed God, and he believed that he would bring them to pass. He was ready to fight. Are you ready to fight? Are you ready to stand for God? We are living in a great season of testing. The church is being mocked and ridiculed on every side today. The media, educational systems, secularism wants to destroy this, the church along with Satan. That's a pretty powerful adversary. And yet, Jesus said what? The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. That is our refuge. That is our strength. The word of God, our faith in Jesus Christ, the empty tomb, the victory that he won on Calvary, the fact that he has washed us from every sin we will ever do in this lifetime. We are free in Christ, free to serve him, to know him, to love him, and to be used and empowered by him for his glory, not ours. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this time and your word this morning. Lord, you remind us that if God is for us, who can be against us, as Paul said? Absolutely no one. And so, Lord, this morning, I want to thank you for this opportunity to share, excuse me, to share the greatness of a man whose faith was on fire. And, Lord, I pray for all of us here today that we would not forget his testimony his witness the things you did through caleb that still affect people today lord may it have a powerful powerful effect on all of us that we might run to you and stay in that place of faith believing and trusting you for all that you do so lord be glorified in our day be magnified in our lives be our everything so that we might be your servants and serve others, trusting what you will do for us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. God bless you.